David. Hi. Hi, Marsha. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming through the snow. Yeah, well, I'm used to it. Are you? I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Is it snowy? It's an obscure mountainous region in America. Is it really cold there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's okay. awful. I mean, it's not awful, but it's it's like this a lot. Right. It's a lot like London, actually, but it- snowier. It's like London without any of the stuff. Right. Without anything to do. <laughs> That's what it's like. But I live in New York. You do at the moment. Yeah. You've been to London before, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. A lot? This is my fourth time in my life. Have you done stand-up over here before? I have, but only, like, secretly. Like, I just came and just covert operations to sort of suss it out, find out if anyone would pelt me with objects or and whatever. Did they? No one, No one did. I actually find it New York and, and London closer, the audiences, than New York and L.A. are. I'm briefly interrupting to let you know that I'm Marsha from yesyesmarsha.com and this is from a series of interviews that I did from 2009 to 2011 called Marsha Meets, which were long-form interviews with stand-up comedians that eventually inspired the book Off the Mic, The World's Best Stand-Up Comedians Get Serious About Comedy. That book's out now on Bloomsbury Publishing. Back to the interview. Now, we've had a few people on this who have done stand-up in L.A. and have said that the stand-up there is terrible. It's different. Well, it's not the stand. The stand-up's good. I mean, the, the audiences, you mean? Well, no, they were saying that you get some amazing stand-ups, but you get a lot of actors doing monologues. Oh, and oh. The and so the audiences are kind of used to quite... It's just a different audience because it's almost like a theatre audience. Well, I, I think of it as... Um, my, this is my theory on it, is that everyone drives there, so the psychology of the place is different. Like New York and London, people are walking together, and even if you don't know anybody, you're still like interacting with people. But in L.A., you could drive around and, and you're by yourself all day. So people, I think, watch comedy or live shows there. Like they're watching TV. So when you could have everyone laughing and enjoying the show, but they're not like laughing with each other. They're more just like sitting there by themselves. It's not like a group that's really interesting. I, I think that's interesting. It's not funny, but it's interesting. <laughs> um, but is it less that's boozy my... as well because of everyone driving? Uh, a little bit. I think people drink a lot out there. I think there's a lot more drunk driving. Right. I think people just figure it out. I'm not good at I'm awful sober driving even. So So you don't risk it? No, not really. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty bad at driving in general. Unless it's like a... I probably drive pretty well here. Why is that? I think when like... My life is at stake. I can step it up. But when, like, you're just driving down the highway... I, Why is your life veer, more at stake here? Like, there's cars. You could get into an accident. Okay. But, like, in L.A. or Cleveland or wherever, I'd start to just think about things and not think about driving. Right. And it takes me, like, really long time to get anywhere. So you're from Cleveland. Yeah. You didn't get into comedy in Cleveland. No, no. I got into comedy totally as an accident. You were um, a journalist, weren't you? you yeah, were yeah, and a musician. So uh, with being a journalist, like, I, I just wanted to get like a funny line. I'd write like a thousand-word piece but only care about the one sentence that I could get in that I liked. You wrote and, for good uh, stuff. You wrote for the New York Times. Yeah, yeah. Washington Post. Yeah, and I still do that stuff sometimes. And then, and then you were in bands as well. Yeah, and I still do that. But like from bands... I started singing and I liked just talking in between songs as much as I liked playing. And then I was like, if I don't, if I just do comedy, I don't have to carry any equipment. Were you the singer in the bands? Yeah, not always, but I started singing. Because okay. you were a- in this band that got signed to Ice Cube's label. Yeah, yeah, my first band. Sons of Elvis. When I was like a teenager, yeah. Was that like a big deal at the time? Was it? Yeah, yeah, we were thrilled, you know. I mean, we thought, because we were young and we thought like, 
you know, we thought we would become a gigantic rock band. And then it was like a year and a half of excitement, and then I was painting houses. But I still look back on it fondly. But that, I still play in bands now, but now I just know that it's just getting old and it's just sad and no one cares about my band. But your bands are good. You're in this band now, Valley Lodge. We're incredible. And you're you're massive in Japan. This is what massive. One of the shows, one of the shows is about that. Yeah, it was, it's about being in a band like because you know like when you get older and like you, your friend has a band or everyone has a friend who has a band and they're like, oh, you just come see my band. We're playing and. You just go just because you feel sorry for him. Like, they like, God, he still has this dumb band. That's the kind of band we are in New York. <laughs> like, no, like 20 of our friends would come see us. And then out of the blue, we got signed to a label in Japan, and we went over there, and it was, like, sold out. And so there, we're like a real band. So they know the lyrics and stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. I thought it was like a prank someone was playing on us because we would start the song, and they would totally know the song. And I was like, this is crazy, because literally, and now people are starting to like it in America. But You're it, a good band. Yeah. I think you sound quite Beach Boys-y. Like oh, indie thank Beach you. Boys. Yeah, yeah, it's like indie pop type thing. Do you have any nutty Japanese fans? They're kind of famous for that. Not nutty enough. I mean, the, well, I can't speak Japanese, so I don't know. It's weird, because they just come up and they talk about all this stuff, and I just sort of nod. And, I, and they also know about my comedy stuff, which... I didn't tell them about, but I guess they saw it. And they'll come up and, like, quote stuff. But then we can't have a conversation. So I'm like, how do you think that's funny if we can't... I don't even know what we're talking about. So how did you get into the comedy stuff then? I went to New York for the weekend, like, six years ago. And I just didn't leave. Like, literally, I was just visiting friends. And I just didn't go home to Cleveland. And then one day, like, someone... Asked, I guess like here there's just shows everywhere like in the back of bars and stuff and um, a friend was like oh do you want to do something on this show and I just I was like alright because I figured like it would be like a character building experience even if it didn't go well like it would make me less afraid to like have dinner with at someone's house or something like make me less anxious in real life so it's like alright I'll do it and then it went well and it's like just the first thing that I've ever done that I didn't fail at. It just kind of grew and turned into my job somehow. Granted, some people might argue that I am a complete failure at comedy also. It's subjective. Well, clearly not. You do TV stuff in America. You do these kind of... You've done bits for MTV and HBO and Cinemax. There's a video on your website of you. It's a Christmassy thing. And you're ice skating. You're amazing at ice skating. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm quarter Canadian. That's my secret. Right. My grandfather's from Canada, so we had they threw us on the ice and oh, we were really? like, so you were made to do walk. It. There's tons of videos and stuff on your website. Your website's wicked. There's an awful lot of comedians who either don't have websites or have ones that just haven't been updated for about three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And yours, there's all these little different things to look at and get involved in and with that conscious. Like, yeah, yeah. Make mine awesome. I wanted it to be like a trap. So you go there and you get stuck there, just clicking around and... I even set it up so you think you're leaving, but you're not. You're just going somewhere else on the site. So you just get stuck there. But it was when I started performing, I started playing around with video. When was that? When I started comedy. Not that long ago, like five years ago. And then it just sort of grew pretty quickly. 
I just, I don't know why. But I think people are really into that. And people, you've got something like 90 videos up on YouTube, but they've all had thousands of views. And Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's another thing I'm interested in terms of the nutty fan thing, because the way... The way that you write on your website and your blog and, and, you know, your mailers and that kind of thing. Something I really like about it is that it's really, it's personal in the sense that you write it as if you're writing literally to that person, that you're asking questions and that kind of thing. But does that ever backfire? Does anyone ever go, oh, Dave Hill is actually my friend? Well, more and more, but especially lately, like more um, stalkery type things. No one, like, that's injured me or done anything that I was upset about, but, like, people will... Uh, this one woman because on Twitter like I would say where I am I've learned though not to be like really specific say what restaurant or bar I'm at but why like why people turned up well yeah or like yeah, and they'll write because you know like you have your thing in your phone or whatever and you can see but but like I said I was visiting my parents and someone traveled hundreds of miles and was like hey I just decided to come visit Cleveland because I was home for the holidays. And they were like, um, do you want to get together? And she was writing to me and all that. And then I just I was like, oh, I'm visiting my family. And then was like, I came all this way to hang out with you. And this went on for like a week. And uh, I was afraid, you know, she's going to show up at my house and shoot me or something. And How did it resolve itself? I think I just went back to New York and right. let my parents deal with it. <laughs> I find usually like people might seem strange and like they're going to stab me or something, but then I'll meet them and they'll be... This one woman was writing to me all the time and then I was doing a show in the city in America. I don't If she hears it, then she might be like, she's talking about me, I'm going to kill him. But uh, And so she came to the show and then I was like, oh, nice to meet you, let me buy you a drink. And she was like freaked out and ran away I think when she realized how creepy I was in person <laughs> the tables were turned and she didn't want anything to do with me you've done other TV things you did this show for Mojo that's being shown in the UK at the moment yeah, called King of Miami yeah it's on film 24 tell me Sky about it Sky Channel 157 it's a sort of there used to be this show, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, with Robin Leach. Do they ever have that here? I think I'm sort of aware of it's it. It's just like a going and looking at like mansions and stuff in Miami and just private jets and just pretending like I'm going to buy them, but just acting retarded. That's the show, basically. And how's it going? It's a huge, huge hit. No, <laughs> I think it went pretty well. The network went off. They went off the air in America, Mojo. But before they went off the air, they let me know that they were like, just so you know, even though we're going off the air, your show is still canceled. We were going to cancel it before. We- Why did they bother? I don't know. I think they just wanted me to know that. that. But it's a great show. I think so. I think it was misunderstood by the guy who ran the network. So they were like, just so you know, had we not gone off the air, we would have canceled your show. But no, I think people like it. Like it's still like people will stop me and tell me they like there's a lot of it up on youtube but it's being shown yeah. on film 24 yeah, yeah so uh yeah it's on here and and then the other show like that you it. do it's not a tv show it's the dave hill explosion oh yeah this is what you're going to be doing here i'm going to do it here yeah at hen and chickens on the 22nd it is a, like a variety show but i'm the only variety in it really it's just me <laughs> the whole time doing a variety of things talking dancing around a little bit it's full-on entertainment assault there's videos, there's everything. And then then I have celebrity guests usually come out and I interview them sort of 
talk show style. And, and you've had big names. You've had yeah. uh, Moby's been on it and Moby. Rufus Wainwright, Sandra yeah. Bernhardt. Yeah. I don't know who people know, like Dick Cavett, who's a, I don't know if people know him here, but he would be like Jonathan Ross of right. like the 70s in America. And uh, Robin Williams, how do you Ginny get Garofalo. These, how do you get these people um, on? I just ask them. Like the thing is like people, when I, start, I started doing the show like four years ago and people always thought that I like was somehow super well connected or something because I you know I started doing the show like pretty much when I you know I've been doing comedy for like a year and I started doing this show just putting together all the stuff I'd been doing and people thought that I like knew everybody the only difference I just asked people and most people I think are afraid to ask people to do stuff Rufus Wainwright I'm friends with so him I actually knew and he did the first one and it was sold out because of him, because no one knew who I was. And I think then they're like, people were like, oh, Rufus did it, so it must be good. And then just more and more people started doing it, and uh, and it's been great. It's cool because like the show is five dollars usually, or maybe ten dollars at most. So you can see like someone like Rufus or Moby or Robin Williams or whoever in a basement for five. But that's sort of like the idea of the show is to, to have. People, what I tried to do is get some of that. You're like, what the fuck? How do they agree to be in this? Do this? Like it's in in New York. It's in a, in a basement theater underneath a grocery store. It's like the last place you would expect to see, you know, these people doing an interview or performing or whatever. So it's part of the fun. And and I always have people that I like on the show. So like, for me as like a fan of someone, like I'm, I get I'm psyched, but I'm like terrified a lot of times because the bigger the guest I'm just like what did I get myself into I'm like such an idiot who were you the most scared with I would say Dick Cavett do you know who Ronnie James Dio is he's a big heavy metal singer and he's he was in Black Sabbath for a while he's in the Tenacious D movie do you know that movie I've not seen it but okay yeah, well anyway he's a he was in Black Sabbath for a while but he's like a big metal guy and uh I'm a huge fan of his so I was like you know he sings about dragons and all this stuff, and I had never met him before, and so I was like, I didn't know what to expect. So I was just nervous, and then he ended up being super nice, and he could tell, like, I was really scared. And then I'm just, you know, I'm afraid something horrible goes wrong. The only people that have ever, two guests who have run from the theater, like, literally into the street. Who were they? It's weird, because it's the smaller guests that get scared. So there was this one... Lady Bunny, who's like a popular drag queen in America or in New York, and she got nervous. I don't know. I did this dance, and uh, all this. There, I have a snow machine. It's really dumb show, but like, I broke plates, and there was like fake snow everywhere. And I think she saw that all this stuff flying around. And was like, I'm getting out of here. So I had to run into the street while like the video was I like put on a video and I'm like running out in the street trying this like seven feet tall drag queen begging her to come back inside because I have like a full theater of people I'm like please the video is going to be over in like two minutes you have to come back inside but she went she ran off into the night oh man and then I had another uh it happened one other time it was the other one this celebrity psychic who again I had like a wrestling match with I have this guy, Little Michael Jackson, in my show sometimes. He's a Peruvian dwarf Michael Jackson impersonator. And uh, he came out and was jumping around and stuff in the snow machine. And then so this psychic, like, ran out. 
And you think he would have seen it coming, but he didn't. <laughs> so those are the only two, no one else. Is there anyone that you've asked to be on it that has said no, that you'd really love to? I keep trying to get Salman Rushdie. That's my goal, but he hasn't been able to do it. I don't know if he'll do it, but because I think that would be a good, least likely person to do the show. Robin Williams, wasn't he a fan of yours? Yeah, well, with him, he was there. Like, uh, I didn't, he, he, he was on the show just sort of accidentally. Um, so I was doing the show in LA, and do you know Andy Dick? Mm. He's an American comedian who's, he's really funny, but he's crazy. Like, he's just known for getting arrested and he's trouble, but a very nice guy. But uh, he did my show, and he came on, and, and he was like drunk, and like people were walking out of theater because he was saying all this like ridiculous stuff. And, uh, and then I was off stage while the video was playing. My manager was like, Robin Williams is in the audience. And I was like, oh, really? And she's like, do you want do you want me to see if he'll come out like on stage? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I went back out there. But, you know, once I got back out there, I forgot that we had talked about it, you know, because I was just back to doing the show. So I totally forgot that he was there. And then the show continued and Andy Dick wouldn't get off stage. And I was like, well, I'm going to leave. The show's over. You can stay out here on stage if you want. But I'm saying goodnight. And then I hear like someone go like, hey, hey. And I look, and it's Robin Williams in the side of the stage, like through the curtains. And he came out, so he was on the show for like 15 minutes. We just joked around and stuff. And then he did some interview the next day, and he talked about me in the interview. So it bought me like six months with my parents because they were like, that was the first thing I did where they were like, oh, that's Mrs. Doubtfire. He thinks you're good, so you must not suck. So for six months, my parents were nice to me about my career choice. Are they any more impressed with the comedy than they were with the band stuff? I think they're just glad I don't ask them for money anymore. I think that's all that matters. As long as I don't ask for money, they're fine. You're still doing band stuff, aren't you? Because as well as Valley Lodge, you play in Walter Schreifels from rival schools. Yeah, yeah. I just play guitar, and so I can just stand on the side. And it's sort of like if you were playing, I would go see him anyway. I just sort of have like the best seat in the house because I'm like in the band. It's the best way to go see a show if if you're just like in the band and can stand and watch the guy that you came to see. How do you find with the comedy compared to the music? Do you prefer it? I think whatever I'm doing, I prefer the other one. But I think comedy I enjoy more because it's, well, I don't know. I, I always like doing both. But with comedy, it's you feel like more engaged with the audience. Like if you're in a band, you can go up and everyone could hate you or people might not even show up and you can still do it. I mean, who else? I was talking to someone the other night about this, how they're very similar, music and comedy, but with comedy you're playing. I think Dave Chappelle was, this is not who I was talking to, but he had said like comedy is like music, but the instrument is the audience. But the thing with that is like sometimes the instrument doesn't show up. So like, you know, the audience, if, they, if you can't figure out what's going on with them it can be really painful but you can suck as a band and you can still power through and stare at your feet when you're on stage are you chatty in between the songs i i mean i guess so i think less so now because i think before i started doing comedy i was when i was talking that would be my outlet for that but now since i perform comedy all the time when i play in a band i'm sort of like I can relax. I can just play. But I think now people come to the shows expecting me to do comedy in between. So I think they're probably let down. <laughs> or I don't know. I'd, I'd talk a little bit, but it's I don't do like bits. I want to ask you about a gig that you did last year. 
in Sing Sing prison. Oh, yeah. Maximum security prison. That was the most fun thing. Well, it was the scariest, worst. Leading up to it, it was... It started off as like a joke. My friends and I were just joking around, like talking about, and I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I did the Dave Hill explosion at a prison? They were like, yeah, that's hilarious because they'll kill you. Like, because you could see, like, even just talking to me now, you could probably see me in front of a bunch of murderers and stuff wouldn't maybe not go that well. But there, I don't know. So I, so I did it and I was like, I'm totally going to do it. And so I called up. Sing Sing. Why did, did you pick the maximum security? Because I was like, if I'm going to do it, I, let's do it. You know, I didn't want to ramp up to it. I was like, I'm, I'm going to find the nastiest prison around. Do you guys know it here? Just a little bit from just the folklore of it. But it's being like mental. Yeah, yeah. It's like as bad as they come. And it was close to New York. So I was like, I, I should get one nearby. So I called them up and uh, they had never had a comedy show before. And it took all this time, like back and forth. And I finally booked the show. And it was like six weeks away, and I was I was like, oh, that's this is so funny, like it'll be, because I thought like it'll either go well and that'll be great, or I thought it'll go horribly and that'll be kind of great also. And not that I wanted to torture the inmates, but I thought it would be entertaining. If even if it went badly, I thought I might look back on it and think it was really funny. So I was like, I can't lose on this one. So and me and my friends, you know, we're all laughing about it, like, oh, this would be so great. And then about. A week before the show, I was like, oh, fuck, this isn't funny at all. Like, this is a, a horrible prank I'm playing on myself. And I was, like, so anxious about it. And I was like, I have to cancel this. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then literally the day I was going to call and just be like, I, I have something else going on that day, they were like, hey, we're just checking in, seeing, uh, you know, if you're all set. The inmates are really looking forward to it. And I was like, oh, man, I can't cancel now. But imagine if you had, and there'd be, like, all these people who might come out of prison one day. Well, that's the thing. I'd sent a photo of myself. They wanted to make a flyer and hang it around the prison, and I sent, like, intentionally, like, the gayest-looking photo of myself I had because I was like, that'll be hilarious to have this really gay poster of me hanging up in, at the worst prison in the country. So, And I was like, fuck, now they know what I look like if they get out. Exactly, if they get out. And they're like historically irritable people. So I was like, this, oh, I shouldn't do this. And then so I was like, all right, I, I guess I'll come. So I really want it to go well. So what can I expect? And the woman at the prison was like, so far, like 250 inmates have signed up for your show. And they're all maximum security, violent felons. And they really like jokes about being in jail. And their favorite comedians are the, do you know, the, the Wayans brothers and uh, Bernie Mac and basically like all black comedians and just like kind of more like loud stand-ups, basically the opposite of what I do. And I was just like, oh, fuck, this is not going to go well. And then she writes, they will no doubt be your toughest crowd. And she put that in quotes and then put like a smiley face emoticon just to like fuck with me or something. And so I was like, oh, no, this is so, so just felt sick about it for a week. But I was like, I have to go through with it. And uh the last minute I brought some friends with me. We went up there, and it ended up being like 300 guys, and everyone in prison's like totally, they could just like punch a hole through me. They're all like, but everyone was like really nice, and uh, most of my jokes were about, usually I don't try to write, think about what who's going to be at this show tonight, but with them I was like, I'm going to make an exception and really think about what they might like. So I wrote all about like, whether or not I would be a prison bitch and stuff, and they were all 
they loved it because they were like, we would fuck the shit out of you. And then uh, they were like totally going nuts. And uh, I was like feeling really good about it. And then I just jokingly, I was like, so who, who here's from out of town? And they were like laughing at it. But they were, this is my favorite, was my favorite joke. And they were like laughing. And then I, I was like, who came from farthest away today? And what I didn't realize, they were all from the New York area, except for one guy, and he's, I'm from Kansas City. So I was like, uh, did you always want to live on the East Coast or just work out that way? And they were, that was the one time in the show where they're like, whoa, watch it. <laughs> like where I'd gone too far, and they were just like, that was where I thought they were going to turn on me, but they were fine. And then uh, I brought my friend Laura Kraft, who's a, a woman, and she came out. She's beautiful, and she wore a red dress and everything. And they like, she like got really scared. Really? And uh, did they say anything? Or was it just a shift of? Atmosphere? It was. She described. She's like, I watched them when you were on, but when I came on, like this look in their eyes. I don't know if you have this here, but like the Bugs Bunny cartoons. You know when they have like, one of the characters turns into like a turkey drumstick because the other character hasn't eaten in a really long time. It was like that. She was like, these guys. Like, I don't know. So she, like, ran out of there. And then so we had this prison guard, like this giant guard following us around. And um, he comes over to her. She was, like, really upset. And it's like, are are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I just got a little scared out there. And uh, he's like, well, you know why you got scared, don't you? And she's like, why? She's expecting him to give, like, some insight of some sort. And he's like, those guys are all murderers and rapists out there. So... That was my favorite thing that happened in prison. So I I had a great time, and it was, they gave me, like, a standing ovation, and, like, we walked out, you know, in the prison movies where they have, like, all the cell blocks, towers of them, and they're all, like, clapping and yelling, like, Dave, Dave, and I was like, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened in my life. And we got outside, and they're all waving at me and stuff. It was so fun. That's amazing. I recommend it. Would you do it again? Yeah, totally. At the same place or different? I would go, yeah, I would go back there. I would love to. It's hard to book yourself into a prison. You have to keep calling and calling. That's amazing. Didn't you once spend the night with the police in Cleveland? Yeah, yeah. What was this? How did you know about that? I'm good at research. Oh, wow. That's amazing. (laughs) I've done that. I stayed up uh, all night with the vice unit I've done it a couple times once on purpose and then once by accident recently my friend's a cop there so I asked him if I could go out on a ride along it's called and you just cruise around with them all night and we did I bought well, well I didn't succeed but I tried to buy crack I'd well duff. like as an undercover sort yeah of. I was undercover with these guys like driving around and you wear a bulletproof vest, but then you have to take when you go real when you go deep undercover. You have to take the vest off. I don't know why. I think they made me take it off. I guess I, if someone presses, then they'll yeah, feel. they'll know, and then they'll shoot you or whatever. So that was really scary. But yeah, I tried to buy crack. Did you like try and make yourself look like a crack addict? I guess I probably look like I look right now, as cracky as I get. But I, they didn't buy it. They wouldn't sell it to me. But I did. I picked up a transvestite hooker. Oh, what, as in you pretended to... Yeah, that one, me and this other guy, we were driving around and negotiated a... We said we were on, like, a two-man bachelor party and, like, wanted to have some fun, so we negotiated the whole thing. And So at what point do you then reveal? It's crazy, because then you get in the car, and then it's really weird, because, like, I'm in the back seat of this car, like, ostensibly about to get a blowjob from a transvestite, 
And I'm thinking like, all right, well, we're pretty much at the point where I'm about to get a blowjob from a trans. What? I, that's what I said. I'm like, when is this gonna end? Um, this guy's about to like grab my junk. And then right then the police cars come screeching around. And it's weird because I guess it, that's what they do, you know. But I've sort of felt bad. It feels for like the a guy. lot of effort for one. It does. And then it's sort of like those. Not to keep bringing up cartoons, but I don't know if you know Roadrunner. But you know in the cartoon where they have Roadrunner and like the Wiley Coyote and then the sheepdog is like they punch the clock and then so before they get on work and start chasing each other, they're very friendly to each other. It was like that. They knew the guy, the the transvestite, and they were like, Oh hey, and they're like, Oh hey, how's it going? And then they just were like, Oh, you know, well, let's just give him a because he knows, oh, we'll just do this thing. I'll go to jail for like a few hours and then I'll just come out here later and get back to work. It was pretty weird. And then uh, we busted, um, we, I didn't do anything. I mean, well, the strip joint, I didn't do anything. But we busted like a Coke drug ring at a strip joint with a SWAT team. And I had to wait until they all went in. And the weird thing about it is it was a place that I had been just drunkenly and I knew friends who went there not for coke but just you know because they're drunk and oh let's go to this place and so I was like god what if my friends are in here so I walk in and it was like a total you know a strip joint with all the disco balls and everything is packed with dudes and girls only it's like dead quiet and there's just these SWAT do you know what SWAT is it's like crazy helmets and all and it was it was insane. That's amazing. Yeah. So you've got shows, you've got three shows in London. Yeah. You're doing Big in Japan tonight and then next Thursday night. Yeah, the this 14th and the 21st. At the Head and Chickens. Head and, Chickens. and then you're also doing the Dave Hill Explosion. Do you have a special guest lined up yet? I have one. I'm still working on the main one, but the musical guest is going to be Alessi's Arc. Oh, you were amazing. Yeah. Oh, and then another... I'm still sorting out the other... But that's part of the thing with the show is, like, it's always a scramble to find the, the guests. But that's part of the... Part of the magic. So that's going to be happening on Friday the 22nd of January. Yeah. And all of this information is on your website, which yeah. is... DaveHillOnline.com. Dave, thanks so much for coming up. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. If you like that, you'll probably love the book that I put together with Deborah Francis White called Off the Mic, The World's Best Stand-Up Comedians Get Serious About Comedy. So asking them things like, what's your writing process? How do you find your voice? What do you think about touring? How do you deal with hecklers? We interviewed 42 stand-ups, including Eddie Izzard, Sarah Millican, Phil Jupiter, Stuart Lee, Mark Maron. It's out now on Bloomsbury Publishing. If you want to find out more, go to Yes Yes Marsha.com forward slash off the mic.